has a pastor, he thought that. Uh, not in a judgmental way, in a truly curious way. He thought, what? Like, really, why is this specific person here? It kind of struck him odd that they were there. And, and, of course, I knew the person he was talking about, so I kind of chuckled because I know the uh, person's kind of a knucklehead. Um, <laughs> and we went on with our conversation, and that was all we talked about it. And we went on with our conversation, finished it. And, um, but I just couldn't get that question out of my mind. I just kind of lingered. Why, why, why are you here? Why, why are you here today? Why, why are we here today? Have you stopped and thought about that in a while? Why, why really why are you here? I said last week we began the series New Year talking about a new you, a new me. We looked at Hebrews 11, verse 1, and we talked about the reality of faith. That faith is belief and trust in action because of a convincing of God's truth. That conviction is needed in us today. You and me need to be living in a state of being convinced of God's truth, which is what conviction is. We need to be living from conviction here. Not here, here. A deep conviction, a deep, deep conviction down inside of us. We need to be living so that someone that doesn't follow Jesus should be convinced that I'm convinced that Jesus is who He says He is. We need to be living that someone that doesn't follow Jesus is convinced that you're convinced that Jesus is who He says He is. The Son of God, the forgiveness for sins, the way, the truth, the life, that Jesus really is that. And so if you haven't listened to that, if you weren't here last week, you missed for whatever reasons. Uh, the website, Todd does a phenomenal job of getting everything on the website really quick, and you can go back there and listen to it. You can actually listen to it on podcasts. If you do Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, our church messages are on there now. You can just search it on podcasts. It'll be there. Um, and it'll kind of help, help you understand, after you're here today, like where the, the push is coming from that God's placing on my heart personally, and I think for all of us as a church, with that in mind, living from conviction deep down, deep down in our heart and soul, uh, we move on this morning. See, Barna discovered uh, in their state of the church study that they do every year, this previous year, they discovered in that survey that 60% of America is post-Christian by Barna's standards. The standards they set to, for that term, 60% of the United States of America is post-Christian. In that same survey, 73% of Americans identified themselves as Christian. Now, I'm not a math major, but that don't work. You can't have 60% being post-Christian and at the same time 73% claiming to be Christian. Because regardless of what we like to say about giving 110% or 120%, you can only give 100%. There's only 100% of a whole. So you can't have the same people somewhere in those two groups of people. People are overlapping. People are post-Christian by Barner's definition, but they identify themselves as Christian. If you're wondering, what do you mean? How can that be? What does that mean? It means that when asked to identify themselves 
who they are, three-quarters of our country say they are Christian. But when asked what they believe and what they do, 60% 60 of the country met the criteria set by Barna for being post-Christian. 60% of the country met the criteria set by Barna for being post-Christian. To Barna, being post-Christian means that they adhere, they check the box to nine or more of the following things. Do not believe in God. Identify as atheist or agnostic. Disagree that faith is important in their lives. Have not prayed to God in the last year. Have not made a commitment to Jesus. Disagree the Bible is accurate. Have not donated money to a church in the last year. Have not attended a church in the last year. Agree that Jesus committed sins. Do not feel a responsibility to share their faith. Have not read the Bible in the last week. Have not volunteered at church in the last week. Have not attended Sunday school in the last week. Have not attended religious small group in the last week. Do not participate in a house church in the last year. Nine or more of those things were checked by 60% of our country. Yet 73%, almost three quarters of our country, say that they're Christians. And every metric you look at, every study that comes out, every one of them, church attendance is going down. Everywhere. All across our nation. Regardless of denomination, regardless of affiliation, regardless of it all. Protestant, evangelical, born again, Catholic, doesn't matter. Slice it, doesn't matter by generation. My generation, I'm a, I'm a old millennial, I don't even, I, I'm, we're like this weird little group, it's like three or four years where we're just like weird, but technically I'm an old millennial. My generation, it's worse than it's ever been for adults. Less, less adults in my generation going to church than any other generation, but every generation, the numbers have gone down over the last 10 years, regardless. So before you pile on to the millennials, just pull the reins, okay? We do plenty of that already. Don't need to do any more of that. So I'll come back to that question. I mean, people aren't going to church. So why are you here? You're at church. I'm at church. Why are we here? Habit? Obligation? Duty? What is it? When we come to church, we say things like, I need church. I needed church today. I needed that today. That was a good service. I say that, you say that. That was a good service. I, I enjoyed that today. We say those things. Why? What do we mean? What do we mean when we say those things? Why do I come to church? Conviction. That's why I come to church. Conviction. I'm convinced it matters. <laughs> I'm 100% convinced it matters. I'm convinced that coming to church regularly shapes my heart, shapes my mind, and therefore shapes my life. I'm convinced that it pleases God. I'm convinced that what pleases God is also what's best for me because God is good. I've never left church wishing that I would have missed. Think about that. I've never finished a church service and walked out and thought, man, I wish I would have, I wish I would have skipped today. Just wish I would have skipped. 
Now, you have thought that a lot on the way to church. Wishing you would have slept in or, man, I could have, I could have skipped today. I could just watch it online or I'll catch it on the website or, you know. <clears throat> I think I have a cough. You know, I mean, we find a lot of reasons, and I get it, I get it. But I've never left church and been sad that I was there. Not one time in my life has that ever happened. I cannot remember a single time. I'm convinced Jesus wants us to be together regularly. The God that designed life designed it to be done in community. I'm convinced of that. When my heart changed... From I have to go to church to I get to go to church. Church has never been a drag or a drain on me personally ever again. Not, not ever since. I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. That's a big difference in the way you're looking at things. We've talked so many times about perspective, and perspective determines so much in how and what you experience in life, what your mind is focused on. I get to go to church, sees church in a completely different light with the same people that can get on your nerves, with the same people that make your day great, with the same things that can make it great, with the same things that you disagree with or don't like that get on your nerves. Nothing else changed. I changed. My heart changed. I get to go to church. Never been a drain or a drag since. Some services better than others. No doubt about that. You want to know why church becomes a drag? You want to know why church can become a drain on you? That's what I think. Because you have to come here and be someone else. Instead of being just who you are. I think that's why church can be draining. You, get, you think you have to come here and pretend to be someone else. And put on your church face. You know, you've heard all the comedians and the stories where they talk about, you know, you're, you're cussing your kids or slapping in the back seat and all that stuff that can happen on the way to church because Satan's definitely fighting that activity. And then you get here and you hit the doors and praise God, I love you. So happy to be here today. Life is great. I love you, you, and you, and you, and I cannot wait to praise the Lord. <laughs> We've all done it. That'll wear you out after a while. You can pretend for a while, but eventually that gets old in your soul. Or maybe you're having to pretend to be somebody you're not because you're just really not following Jesus. Period. Maybe it's not a bad morning. Everybody has bad mornings. Maybe you, you just, you're not following Jesus. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm saying maybe you're not actively following Jesus. Maybe you you made a commitment to him at some point in your life, and you said something to, to Jesus at some point in your life, or you, you said, Lord, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Jesus, I, I believe in you. Maybe you even got baptized, but maybe at some point along the lines, you have stopped following Jesus. Daily renewal of his truth. Daily renewal of convincing in his life, or at least weekly, or at least monthly renewal. You've forgotten what it was like to follow Jesus, so... You're still pretending when you come to church. That gets really old really fast. Really fast. 
What do we need to do when we come here? What do we need to do when we come here as God's assembled people? It's what his church is, his assembled people. What do we need to do when we come here? God's church, what do we need to do? Let's look at Hebrews, our scriptures for today. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 21. It says, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, that's that first verse, and since, since what? The author of Hebrews has just explained in the previous verses that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice of sin once and for all, for all. Taking the place of a human high priest and giving direct access to God the Father. That's what he's just explained. And then he says, and since. So you could really say, verse 1, you could say, since we have direct access to God, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Draw near. Know God. Be convinced. Be assured. Verse 23. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Thank you, Lord. What is he saying? Be reminded of the glory of confessing Jesus as Savior and Lord. And that glory is abundant and everlasting life. Be reminded of that. Then verse 24 and 25, And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings, as some habitually do, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We come together regularly to encourage one another to make Promote to make good works. More love, more sacrificial service, which is what love is. We encourage each other to do this. Not beg, not borrow, not steal, not guilt, not shame us to do that. We encourage one another to promote good works and love. Sacrificial service, to, to do more for God. We encourage each other in that. You know what we have to encourage to happen a lot in church? <laughs> for the basic needs of a service to be filled so we can have church. Sometimes we have to just encourage for those basic things to be filled. We should be past that, church. We should be past that. Really and truly, we should be past that. It shouldn't even be an issue for a living, breathing, alive, functioning, spirit-filled, Jesus-following, Jesus-loving church. Getting the basic needs of the things of the church done and fulfilled so that you can have church where we can encourage each other to more shouldn't even be an issue. Serving in the church should not be a question. It shouldn't be a debate. It, it should just be a natural outflowing of following Jesus. He calls us to it over and over and over and over and over again. If you're following Jesus, you'll want to serve in church. 
You'll desire to serve in church. We should be looking for opportunities to serve in church. We should be begging for opportunities to serve in the church. So this morning, I want to focus just for a little while, just for a little while, on the end of verse 25. Because I think that's kind of important stuff right there. The end of verse 25, look back at that. But encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more. All the more as you see the day drawing near. What does this make you think? What does this make you think we should do when we come together? What do you think we should do? What does this, make, what does this grab your mind and make you think? To me it says this. The church should have a sense of urgency about doing the things of the church. A sense of urgency. Like when you heard that siren go off the other night. You had a sense of urgency. Imminent action. Right there. You're not comfortable in those situations. You're not just happy to be there. You're not just going to consume and take it all in. You have a sense of urgency. And the church should have a sense of urgency all the more as we see the day drawing near. As the day draws near, all the more. Don't draw back. Double down. Triple down. Don't retreat. When we see the day draw near, don't retreat. Get in the trenches. Prepare for battle. You say, battle for what? You think the prince of darkness... The father of lies wants you to draw near to God? Do we think that Satan wants us to hold on to our hope without wavering? Do you think there's any part of Satan that wants you to encourage you, or you to encourage you, or me to encourage you, or you to encourage me to love and good works? You think Satan is just going to sit back and say, well, I've caused enough heartache and destruction for a little while. I'll just sit this one out. Let them have their good time glorifying God. I'll just sit this one out. No big deal. Of course not. You know that. I know that. We know that. We know that's not the case. (laughs) That's why I say we should be way, way past the need to fill up the sheets in the areas of service we need around the church. We should have a waiting list full of people willing to serve and do in all the areas that we need to make this happen. Sunday a.m. Bible study, teachers and helpers, nursery, children's church, bus drivers, meal preparers, Greeters, ushers, worship team leaders, multimedia, sound, video, safe team. Aren't you thankful for the guys in red shirts? (laughs) I know I am. And all the more as the day draws near. Thankful for the guys in red shirts. It takes a lot of people. To make all this go. A lot. 
I said bus drivers. It's on my list. Gosh, Kayla. <laughs> it's right there. I made sure not to miss bus drivers. Gosh, I'm mighty. Come on. Amen. Thankful for the bus drivers. Larry, you thankful for the bus drivers? Me too, buddy. Dang right. <laughs> Seriously, it takes a lot of people to make church go. But it really it shouldn't be an issue. And most of the time it's not, okay? I'm not saying that it's a huge issue. I'm just saying it shouldn't ever be an issue. We shouldn't ever have to worry about that. There should just be a list of people waiting to fill in. I've counted it up before. It depends on if we're having children's church and things like that. It's about 40 people, give or take a few. Sometimes 45. 45 people volunteering their time, effort, and energies to make church go. That's a lot of people in a church of 150 to 75. That's a third of people here serving every week. Takes a lot. Shouldn't ever be a problem in a church that's living and following Jesus. Should never be a problem. Retreat. <laughs> Done my time. Seriously? Don't have time. Then you don't have priorities. We must triple down, church. A sense of urgency. And all the more as the day draws near. Give more. Serve more. Encourage more. Sacrifice more. Draw near to God more. Be convinced more. We need each other. We need each other. And individual people who do not have the saving grace of Jesus need Jesus followers to be convinced followers of Jesus more and make a real difference in their individual lives more. So what does this sense of urgency look like for us in 2020? What does a sense of urgency look like for us in 2020? Let's just go back to the basics. We don't have to overcomplicate it. Let's deny ourselves and take up our cross. That's what we were called to do. Deny ourselves and take up our cross. Let's say no to our selfish desires once in a while and sacrifice to do something of significance. For each other and for individuals. That's where I'm trying to look at it from now on. A lost and dying world, that's too abstract. How about a lost and dying individual in your life that you know that God placed in your life for you to have a direct individual one-on-one -on -one impact on? An individual. How about we sacrifice for something of importance for each other and an individual God has put in each of our lives to make a difference in? Have you sacrificed lately? Have you denied yourself lately? Have you said no to something of insignificance so you could say yes to something of ultimate importance in your life lately? What, what is that thing that's too high on your priority list? What is it? What are you overindulging in? Having too much of? Spending too much 
money on, spending too much time on? What, what excuse is keeping you from a sense of urgency to engage in the battle God has called you to? What is it? We need a sense of urgency to fight this battle, church. Now, it's funny that Kayla called me out for thinking that I miss bus drivers. Because I'm going to brag on somebody right now. And that's, it, this is not because she said that. Actually, it's in my notes. You can come check after the service. That's just that's how God works things out like that. I'm going to brag on somebody. He's not going to like it. And I do care that he's not going to like it, but I don't care enough not to brag on him. So here, here's what that looks like to me. You take a guy like Joe Hissom. <laughs> I mean, he drives a bus every Wednesday, every Sunday. I mean, when he, it's like twice a year he comes in and says, oh, me and Miss Carol, we're doing X, Y, Z, you know, the crew's coming in. That's usually what it is. The crew's coming in. They're all going to be together, so I'll be out this Sunday. It's like, seriously? Like, it never, it never happens. You never have to think about it. You never have to worry about it. You never have to wonder about it. It's my wife's favorite time of the week, which hurts my heart, but it is. <laughs> she rides with him on Wednesday nights, and she positively, absolutely loves it. Comes home every Wednesday where, when I'm actually going to move to talk on a Wednesday night, which is but it says to me how much she loves it, how uplifting it is, being around the kids and being around Mr. Hissom because he's encouraging to her and he's encouraging to those kids and he buys them candy every week. <laughs> and they are spoiled to death and they love him way more than he possibly can understand. Way more than he'll ever understand on this side. And many of you and me I love him for that. Now, I love him because he's funny and all that other stuff, too. But he, I mean, it's unbelievable, the amount of dedication. It really is. That's having conviction to me. That's living from a place of conviction down here. I mean, it's a priority. It matters. You set things aside. You say no to things. So you can say yes to things that matter most. Not all the time. Everybody needs a break. Jesus took breaks. He modeled that plainly and clearly to us. Take breaks. Refresh. Pull back. Let your soul rest. Let your mouth rest. Let your mind rest. All those things. But don't always be on rest. Need something to rest from. Have something to rest from. So, I, I, Mr. Hissom, I, I say to you from this entire church, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Practical ideas to show our sense of urgency in the gospel. Practical ideas. To show our sense of urgency for the gospel in 2020. Here's one. I didn't... No individual is in mind with the statement of any of these statements, okay? These are random things that I thought of in about three minutes that I thought would make a point, okay? Buy a slightly less expensive vehicle 
Take the money that you saved. Help someone in need. Hunters, fishermen, outdoorsmen. Don't buy an extra gun or rod for yourself. Instead, buy one for a kid that needs it. Take them. Teach them. Show them the ropes. Ladies, skip a nail appointment for yourself. Buy a gift certificate instead to encourage someone. Let them know they're loved. Skip a meal or two or three. You'll live. Use that time. Use that time to focus on prayer and on someone you know that is hurting and needs to be lifted up. Pay for someone's meal just because. If you can't afford it, see the previous idea. <laughs> Instead of five vacations this year, take four and send somebody else on a vacation that wouldn't otherwise get to go. Or take five vacations this year, but bring some with you that couldn't otherwise go. Be more involved than the average Christian which attends church 2.4 times per month, according to the studies. Now, let me rephrase that. Be more committed than the average practicing Christian, because the study says 73% of people say they're Christians, but by the criteria, only about a third of people are actually practicing Christians, or what I would say, probably actual Christians. Be better than that. Be better than the average. The average is twice a month. Whew. <laughs> We're falling off, church. <laughs> twice a month, come to church. Considers That makes you an, an active Christian in Barna's mind. Be better than that. Or last one, don't be a consumer of church. Don't be a consumer of church. Don't just consume what is done at the church. But be a promoter of encouragement, of love, and good works through your service. Do that with conviction and a sense of urgency to glorify God and watch Him work. Watch Him take this very nice group of people and use us to do things that would blow our mind if he showed us now. We would go, that's not possible. That's not going to happen. That can't happen. That's what we would think. If we would just do with conviction in our heart and a sense of urgency because the battle is near. It's right there. The day is drawing near. We would do those things with that heart. And just watch God be God. Tell you what. If and when that starts happening, it won't be hard to get up early on Sunday morning. It won't. You, you, you won't. You will, it, it will be impossible for you to just not be down here early so you have a little more time to talk about the things God's doing and the things this assembly of people are doing. Like it's, it will be amazing Church won't be boring to you. 
Church is only boring when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. That's it. We get busy and get active and stay busy and active, encouraging each other to more love and more good works. Whew. Katie, bar the door. It's going to be great. I'll be honest with you. The only thing I've ever experienced anything close to that, church service-wise, is church camp. And this was when that hit me. And I'm done. A couple weeks ago, we were home. Well, we went to my mom and my sister's church, where they're active in now. And we walked in. It's a pretty big church, and you know, so you, you've got all this stuff to do and check in and get your nephews to this and that. We get into the service, and we're standing beside each other, and there's chairs, not pews, and nobody's mad about that. Just side note, because we have we have pews at church camp. I don't care. I'm just throwing that out there. Just food for thought. Let it marinate. And my son, standing next to me, we're in the middle of a song. It's a good song, too. A new song. I hadn't heard it. And he leaned over and he goes, Dad. I'm thinking, you know, bathroom or something, right? I feel like I'm at church camp. I said, me too, son. Me too. And then I thought about that, and I couldn't stop thinking about that. That's what I want church to be. That relaxed, but that engaged. That fun, but that serious. All at the same time. That's what we want church to be. But we gotta, we gotta be it. We gotta be it, guys. We gotta be it. We're gonna sing two more songs this morning. To this God. If you need to talk to someone, Stuart, if you'll come forward when we're, when we're singing. If you need to talk to somebody, Stuart will be here. If you want to talk to me, if you can talk to me afterwards, I'm going to go over here and try to play the piano and not mess it up. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll stand up and sing two more songs, and that'll be our dismissal for today unless something comes up. Thank you for being here. Glad that you're here. And, and let's just pray, 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 and then do what God lays in our heart. Let's pray that he'll put conviction and a sense of urgency in our heart and in our soul to do the things God's called us to do. And then let's do them. Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us, that you care for us at all. We thank you that you wanted to save us. We thank you that you did the things to save us. We thank you that you've called us to a life of purpose and a life of meaning to be engaged in things that matter, to be engaged in a battle that's not going to end until you come back. You've called us to be engaged in that, God. And I pray that we would think and pray and lift up the names of the individuals that are on our hearts that you have placed in our lives this morning and that you would put that emphasis with such a sense of urgency on our hearts this morning that we couldn't help but go out from here today and speak and talk to and live like, and be around that person so that they know that we are convinced of who you are and that we want them to have that same thing. And we ask it all in your precious name. Amen.